I stand accused There's a list a mile long Of all my sin Everything that I've done wrong I'm so ashamed There's nowhere left for me to hide This is the day I must answer for my life My fate is in the judge's hands But then he turns to me
Good morning. Wait till I get home and tell my grandson his mommy made me cry. Just doesn't seem fair. For those of you who don't realize, that was my daughter-in-law who sang the song. What a beautiful song. Wow. We'll get there eventually. By way of introduction this morning, I'm going to share with you a, uh, a story that I've just titled, The Story of a Boy Who Became a Man and Then Met God. The boy was born into a household that didn't believe in God. At age six, he was sent to church Sunday school every Sunday without his parents, who just weren't interested. At age 12, he informed his mother that he was never going back to church. After all, if his parents weren't interested in God, either was he. Later, he would become an atheist. When he joined the military, he chose to have put on his dog tags rather than a, a religion. He chose the words, no preference, because usually when you're wounded or worse, they try and get the person uh, or the, the, uh, the reverend of faith, their faith, whether they're Catholic or, or Baptist or Protestant or what, but he didn't. He asked for no preference because back then, they wouldn't write atheist on the dog tags. They probably would today. At age 20, while in the military, he had an encounter with God. While body surfing in the ocean, he was caught in an undertow. He became exhausted and was about to drown. Then he yielded and asked if there was a God out there after all. Could he help him? Then miraculously, a freak wave took him, placed him up on the beach, and rescinded back to do what all the waves normally do. After a few months of contemplating this situation, it kind of haunted him, though he wouldn't really admit it, he finally changed his belief from atheism to agnostic. Agnostic, if you don't know, is someone who believes that somewhere out there, there's got to be something. It's probably a better definition, but that's the gist of it. At age 28, he was now married and had two children. He was now attending a Methodist church in Montclair, California. On a Saturday night in June 1974, he was invited to a Christian seminar at the Leamington Hotel 
in Oakland. He sat listening to a man give his testimony. The man was saying he had been arrogant, hurtful, harsh, bitter, sarcastic, and terribly self-centered. Until he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It was as if this man was talking about our young man. He couldn't believe it. This man told how God loved him despite who and what he was. Later that night in his room, our young man realized how much God loved him just the way he was. Then he fell on his knees, wept, and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and became a born-again Christian. Later, when he was sharing his newfound faith at his church, his pastor David was shocked to learn that he got saved at the seminar and talked to him and said, I have only one question. Why didn't you get saved in my church? And the young man simply replied, Pastor David, you never preached the gospel. However, this situation for Pastor Dave was pretty monumental in his life. He went back soul-searching, and he got really rejuvenated in his life. Sadly, was mocked and condemned by his fellow Methodist pastors in the East Bay. They made jokes about him, that he likes now to preach Jesus. How's that? Let's take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. First, as always, for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this day which you have made. We thank you that we have the opportunity to be here, to remember you, to worship you, to thank you for all that you have done for us. For we are most blessed among people. I pray today, if there's anyone here who has yet to surrender his life to you, that today would be the first day of the rest of his or her life. Bless them. Help them, Lord. Help them to see how much you love them. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Our text this morning is a familiar passage to most, if not all of us. It's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll blame that on my daughter-in-law, too. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit is now working disobedience, or excuse me, is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
but God. Let me say that once more. This is the part of this section that I just love so much. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. You know, today we live in a human ocean of unbelief. We are definitely the small minority in this world. In Northern California, we have every kind of humanistic belief from new age to who knows what's going to be created in the next 15 minutes, to every single false religion that exists anywhere finds its place here somehow. And then this state we live in, this portion of California, Northern California, has great geography. huh? It isn't like, forgive me if you were born there, it isn't, I've been there so I'm able to say this, it's not like the plains of Nebraska that are flat. Those folks come out here, visit where we are right now and say your huge mountains just amaze me. But we call them hills. But it's just amazing geography. Prime real estate, a very affluent way of life. Wonderful weather, though we're in a drought. And on one side, we're bordered by the Pacific Ocean, and on the other, the Sierra Madre ranges of mountains that, are, that contain some of God's greatest creations. It's a place where you can really get lost in life and its activities in California. Unfortunately, the vast majority of people prefer to worship the creations rather than the creator. But this world as we know it is soon to come to an end. Stay tuned for next Monday and the following Mondays, right? I don't know how many revelation, <coughs> excuse me, studies I've been to. But boy, I tell you, I never tire of them. I always find something new. And I'm always blessed by them. I really am. But this world isn't, isn't for long. Whether that's in the next day, week, month, year, or a few years, I don't know. But when you compare the age of grace that's been going on for over 2,000 years, we're right down here. It's not long. It is now as it was in the days of Noah 
as stated in Matthew chapter 24, <clears throat> starting in verse 36. But that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man is just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. Then they understood, didn't they? Then they had faith to believe, but it was too late. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So if you're coming and listening to the Revelation study, you've heard and understand the gospel, but you haven't made a decision to accept Jesus Christ, this is the time to do it. Because once the age of grace is over, those will have no chance. Because God will give each and every one of those people a delusion so they can't have a chance. And there are people out there, <clears throat> and I've heard someone say this before, that say, well, I'll just wait to see, and if it happens, then I'll jump on the bandwagon. But it doesn't happen that way. The scriptures show that. Okay? The word of God doesn't lie. If you choose not to accept him as your Lord and Savior during this age, the next age, which we'll hear about, isn't for you. Keep that in mind. But there is still good news. Because we still are in the age of grace, aren't we? And God still wants to rescue people from the devil and from the domain of darkness. Amen? It was God's love that won that young man over in 1974. Back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, think about that, rich in mercy, has plenty of mercy. He doesn't run out of mercy. Never, ever. He always has enough mercy. Sometimes we may act shameful and we don't feel we deserve it, but it's there nonetheless because he is God and he is a loving God. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved. The young man we talked about experienced genuine guilt and remorse as he realized how much it cost Jesus Christ to redeem him. He understood that he was forgiven and gladly repented of his sins and accepted the free gift of salvation. That for him was a wonderful night in the Leamington Hotel. Now in conclusion, 
I'm happy to inform you, for those of you who haven't figured it out, Though that young man is much, much, much older, it is he who stands before you today giving the message. Did I deserve it? No. Before I met Jesus, I was very cruel to Christians. I've shared this story before. I had a shipmate when we were on our ship over off of Vietnam. His name also was Bill. He was from Minnesota, married and had some kids. And when too many of the sailors got off the ship, wherever port we pulled in, whether it would be Thailand or the Philippines or Hong Kong, off they went. But Bill, every time Bill would just, he was a quartermaster, so his duties were on the bridge of the ship, he would end up up there in one of the chairs on the plotting board on the bridge with his Bible open and his notes. And he was so gracious to me because I certainly wasn't to him. Even though we were great shipmates, I never missed an opportunity just to uh, find a way to, I thought, humiliate him, scorn him, tell him that this was all a great crutch he was believing in then, and you're never going to get to your destination, all these things. And he just smiled at me. And he said, have a great day. <laughs> He'll probably be shocked when he sees me in heaven. But I'll tell him he shouldn't, because I have no doubt that he used to pray for me a lot. One of, and I have several, but one verse of scripture that I, that I learned early on and expresses so how we should live our life here and in this time is found in Galatians. And it's, it's, it, what, it's what gives us our convictions. It's what gives us our drive. It's what gives us the love when there shouldn't be any, and the mercy when there shouldn't be any, and the ability to pray when we're finding it tough to pray for someone who's so irritable, you know, whether it's our neighbor, our coworker, our relative, or whoever. But this portion of scripture from Paul is just so inspiring to me, as I hope it is to you and is you're a Christian. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That just gets me going. Every time I read it, it just charges me. And again, for anyone here that is not yet born again, believe me, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. 
please accept. It's a free gift. It's only man who tries to mess that up. It's only man's ego, man's pride, man's ability to foul things up, to try and say, well, that just isn't good enough. I need to work things out myself. No, there is none of that. But there is humbling ourselves. There is bending the knee to Jesus Christ and accepting such a wonderful gift. Please accept it today. Now, I want you to take a moment with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I want to share a portion of that scripture again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And some of the verses from the song we sang today, because the man who wrote it was a sinner sinner. He was a great sinner. And yet, God had mercy on him and saved him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Though many, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. T'was grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this time. You've been so good to us. You have been so merciful to us. We literally drown in your grace and your love, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for it. Be with those who couldn't be here this morning, Lord, and just touch them. If they're ill, heal them. If they're discouraged, encourage them. If there's anyone here that's drifted somewhat from they're in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus, just touch them and draw them back in and bless them. And we thank you now in your most precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.